Chapter Twenty Nine of the Mayor of Casterbridge by Thomas Hardy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Chapter Twenty Nine. At this hour, Lucetta was bounding along the road to Port Breedy, just as Elizabeth had announced. That she had chosen for her afternoon walk the road along which she had returned to Casterbridge three hours earlier in a carriage was curious if anything should be called curious in concatenations of phenomena wherein each is known to have its accounting cause it was the day of the chief market saturday and farfrae for once had been missed from his corn-stand in the dealer's room nevertheless it was known that he would be home that night for sunday as casterbridge expressed it lucetta in continuing her walk had at length reached the end of the ranked trees which bordered the highway in this and other directions out of the town this end marked a mile and here she stopped the spot was a vale between two gentle acclivities and the road still adhering to its roman foundation stretched onward straight as a surveyor's line till lost to sight on the most distant ridge there was neither hedge nor tree in the prospect now the road clinging to the stubby expanse of cornland like a strip to an undulating garment near her was a barn the single building of any kind within her horizon she strained her eyes up the lessening road but nothing appeared thereon not so much as a speck she sighed one word donald and turned her face to the town for retreat here the case was different a single figure was approaching her elizabeth jane's lucetta in spite of her loneliness seemed a little vexed elizabeth's face as soon as she recognized her friend shaped itself into affectionate lines while yet beyond speaking distance i suddenly thought i would come and meet you she said smiling lucetta's reply was taken from her lips by an unexpected diversion a by-road on her right hand descended from the fields into the highway at the point where she stood and down the track a bull was rambling uncertainly towards her and elizabeth who facing the other way did not observe him in the latter quarter of each year cattle were at once the mainstay and the terror of families about casterbridge and its neighbourhood where breeding was carried on with abrahamic success the head of stock driven into and out of the town at this season to be sold by the local auctioneer was very large and all these horned beasts in travelling to and fro sent women and children to shelter as nothing else could do in the main the animals would have walked along quietly enough but the casterbridge tradition was that to drive stock it was indispensable that hideous cries coupled with yahoo antics and gestures should be used large sticks flourished stray dogs called in and in general everything done that was likely to infuriate the viciously disposed and terrify the mild nothing was commoner than for a householder on going out of his parlour to find his hall or passage full of little children nursemaids aged women or a ladies school who apologized for their presence by saying a bull passing down street from the sale lucetta and elizabeth regarded the animal in doubt he meanwhile drawing vaguely towards them 
it was a large specimen of the breed in color rich dun though disfigured at present by splotches of mud about his seamy sides his horns were thick and tipped with brass his two nostrils like the thames tunnel as seen in the perspective toys of yore between them through the gristle of his nose was a stout copper ring welded on and irremovable as girth's collar of brass to the ring was attached an ash staff about a yard long which the bull with the motions of his head flung about like a flail it was not till they observed this dangling stick that the young women were really alarmed for it revealed to them that the bull was an old one too savage to be driven which had in some way escaped the staff being the means by which the drover controlled him and kept his horns at arm's length they looked round for some shelter or hiding-place and thought of the barn hard by as long as they had kept their eyes on the bull he had shown some deference in his manner of approach but no sooner did they turn their backs to seek the barn than he tossed his head and decided to thoroughly terrify them this caused the two helpless girls to run wildly whereupon the bull advanced in a deliberate charge the barn stood behind a green slimy pond and it was closed save as to one of the usual pair of doors facing them which had been propped open by a hurdle stick and for this opening they made the interior had been cleared by a recent bout of threshing except at one end where there was a stack of dry clover elizabeth jane took in the situation we must climb up there she said but before they had even approached it they heard the bull scampering through the pond without and in a second he dashed into the barn knocking down the hurdle stake in passing the heavy door slammed behind him and all three were imprisoned in the barn together the mistaken creature saw them and stalked towards the end of the barn into which they had fled the girls doubled so adroitly that their pursuer was against the wall when the fugitives were already halfway to the other end. By the time that his length would allow him to turn and follow them thither, they had crossed over. Thus the pursuit went on, the hot air from his nostrils blowing over them like a sirocco, and not a moment being attainable by Elizabeth or Lucetta in which to open the door what might have happened had their situation continued cannot be said but in a few moments a rattling of the door distracted their adversary's attention and a man appeared he ran forward towards the leading staff seized it and wrenched the animal's head as if he would snap it off the wrench was in reality so violent that the thick neck seemed to have lost its stiffness and to become half paralyzed whilst the nose dropped blood the premeditated human contrivance of the nose-ring was too cunning for impulsive brute force and the creature flinched the man was seen in the partial gloom to be large-framed and unhesitating he led the bull to the door and the light revealed henchard he made the bull fast without and re-entered to the succor of lucetta for he had not perceived elizabeth who had climbed on to the clover-heap Lucetta was hysterical, and Henchard took her in his arms and carried her to the door. "'You have saved me,' she cried, as soon as she could speak. "'I have returned your kindness,' he responded tenderly. "'You once saved me.' 
how comes it to be you you she asked not heeding his reply i came out here to look for you i have been wanting to tell you something these two or three days but you have been away and i could not perhaps you cannot talk now oh no where is elizabeth here i am cried the missing one cheerfully and without waiting for the ladder to be placed she slid down the face of the clover stack to the floor henchard supporting lucetta on one side and elizabeth jane on the other they went slowly along the rising road they had reached the top and were descending again when lucetta now much recovered recollected that she had dropped her muff in the barn i'll run back said elizabeth jane i don't mind it at all as i am not tired as you are she thereupon hastened down again to the barn the others pursuing their way elizabeth soon found the muff such an article being by no means small at that time coming out she paused to look for a moment at the bull now rather to be pitied with his bleeding nose having perhaps rather intended a practical joke than a murder henchard had secured him by jamming the staff into the hinge of the barn door and wedging it there with a stake at length she turned to hasten onward after her contemplation when she saw a green and black gig approaching from the contrary direction the vehicle being driven by farfrae his presence here seemed to explain lucetta's walk that way donald saw her drew up and was hastily made acquainted with what had happened at elizabeth jane mentioning how greatly lucetta had been jeopardized he exhibited an agitation different in kind no less than in intensity from any she had seen in him before he became so absorbed in the circumstance that he scarcely had sufficient knowledge of what he was doing to think of helping her up beside him she has gone on with mr henchard you say he inquired at last yes he is taking her home they are almost there by this time and you are sure she can get home elizabeth jane was quite sure your stepfather saved her entirely farfrae checked his horse's pace she guessed why he was thinking that it would be best not to intrude on the other two just now henchard had saved lucetta and to provoke a possible exhibition of her deeper affection for himself was as ungenerous as it was unwise the immediate subject of their talk being exhausted she felt more embarrassed at sitting thus beside her past lover but soon the two figures of the others were visible at the entrance to the town the face of the woman was frequently turned back but farfrae did not whip on the horse when these reached the town walls henchard and his companion had disappeared down the street farfrae set down elizabeth jane on her expressing a particular wish to alight there and drove round to the stables at the back of his lodgings on this account he entered the house through his garden and going up to his apartments found them in a particularly disturbed state his boxes being hauled out upon the landing and his bookcase standing in three pieces these phenomena however seemed to cause him not the least surprise when will everything be sent up he said to the mistress of the house who was superintending i am afraid not before eight sir said she you see we wasn't aware till this morning that you were going to move or we could have been forwarder 
ah well never mind never mind said farfrae cheerily eight o'clock will do well enough if it be not later now don't ye be standing here talking or it will be twelve i doubt thus speaking he went out by the front door and up the street during this interval henchard and lucetta had had experiences of a different kind after elizabeth's departure for the muff the corn merchant opened himself frankly holding her hand within his arm though she would fain have withdrawn it dear lucetta i have been very very anxious to see you these two or three days he said ever since i saw you last i have thought over the way i got your promise that night you said to me if i were a man i should not insist that cut me deep i felt that there was some truth in it i don't want to make you wretched and to marry me just now would do that as nothing else could it is but too plain therefore i agree to an indefinite engagement to put off all thought of marriage for a year or two but but can i do nothing of a different kind said lucetta i am full of gratitude to you you have saved my life and your care of me is like coals of fire on my head i am a moneyed person now surely i can do something in return for your goodness something practical henchard remained in thought he had evidently not expected this there is one thing you might do lucetta he said but not exactly of that kind then of what kind is it she asked with renewed misgiving i must tell you a secret to ask it you may have heard that i have been unlucky this year i did what i have never done before speculated rashly and i lost that's just put me in a strait and you would wish me to advance some money no no said henchard almost in anger i'm not the man to sponge on a woman even though she may be so nearly my own as you no lucetta what you can do is this and it would save me my great creditor is grower and it is at his hands i shall suffer if at anybody's while a fortnight's forbearance on his part would be enough to allow me to pull through this may be got out of him in one way that you would let it be known to him that you are my intended that we are to be quietly married in the next fortnight now stop you haven't heard all let him have this story without of course any prejudice to the fact that the actual engagement between us is to be a long one nobody else need know you could go with me to mr grower and just let me speak to ee before him as if we were on such terms we'll ask him to keep it secret he will willingly wait then at the fortnight's end i shall be able to face him and i can coolly tell him all is postponed between us for a year or two not a soul in the town need know how you've helped me since you wish to be of use there's your way it being now what the people called the pinking in of the day that is the quarter hour just before dusk he did not at first observe the result of his own words upon her if it were anything else she began and the dryness of her lips was represented in her voice but it is such a little thing he said with a deep reproach less than you have offered just the beginning of what you have so lately promised i could have told him as much myself but he would not have believed me it is not because i won't 
it is because i absolutely can't she said with rising distress you are provoking he burst out it is enough to make me force you to carry out at once what you have promised i cannot she insisted desperately why when i have only within these few minutes released you from your promise to do the thing off-hand because he was a witness witness of what if i must tell you don't don't upbraid me well let's hear what you mean witness of my marriage mr grower was marriage yes with mr farfrae oh michael i am already his wife we were married this week at port breedy there were reasons against our doing it here mr grower was a witness because he happened to be at port breedy at the time henchard stood as if idiotized she was so alarmed at his silence that she murmured something about lending him sufficient money to tide over the perilous fortnight married him said henchard at length my good what married him whilst bound to marry me it was like this she explained with tears in her eyes and quavers in her voice don't don't be cruel i loved him so much and i thought you might tell him of the past and that grieved me and then when i had promised you i learnt of the rumour that you had sold your first wife at a fair like a horse or cow how could i keep my promise after hearing that i could not risk myself in your hands it would have been letting myself down to take your name after such a scandal but i knew i should lose donald if i did not secure him at once for you would carry out your threat of telling him of our former acquaintance as long as there was a chance of keeping me for yourself by doing so but you will not do so now will you michael for it is too late to separate us the notes of st peter's bells in full peal had been wafted to them while she spoke and now the genial thumping of the town band renowned for its unstinted use of the drumstick throbbed down the street then this racket they are making is on account of it i suppose said he yes i think he has told them or else mr grower has may i leave you now my he was detained at port breedy to-day and sent me on a few hours before him then it is his wife's life i have saved this afternoon yes and he will be forever grateful to you i am much obliged to him oh you false woman burst from henchard you promised me yes yes but it was under compulsion and i did not know all your past and now i've a mind to punish you as you deserve one word to this brand-new husband of how you courted me and your precious happiness is blown to atoms michael pity me and be generous you don't deserve pity you did but you don't now i'll help you to pay off your debt a pensioner a farfrae's wife not i don't stay with me longer i shall say something worse go home she disappeared under the trees of the south walk as the band came round the corner awaking the echoes of every stalk and stone in celebration of her happiness lucetta took no heed but ran up the back street and reached her own home unperceived End of chapter twenty nine